0: Welcome to another edition of the Monday Mailbag. I know it's been way too long since I've sat down to do this with you and for varying reasons. Of course, the last 2 weeks were Christmas and New Year's. But then I missed the week before that because I happened to be well, under the weather doesn't doesn't cover it. Hospitalized covers it. <laughs> so I missed it uh for the last three weeks, we haven't gotten to sit down and talk about the Blue Jackets and what's going on, so today, I'll fix all of that. Today, we talk. Today, you ask the questions, I give the answers, and we'll figure this thing out together, right? Well, it was kind of a up-and-down week, without question, for the Blue Jackets. I mean, you know, they go into Philadelphia last Thursday. Really uh, terrible first two periods. Terrible first two periods. I, as a matter of fact, the team looked uh, pretty much left for dead after two periods in that game. But yet the score was just one to nothing. But they just didn't have anything going on. There was just nothing happening throughout that game. And then in the third period, they get down two to nothing. You feel like the whole thing is over. And lo and behold, they come out of the ashes like a phoenix, and they rise, and they get a couple of goals. They force overtime. They can't score in overtime, but neither can the Flyers. They go to a shootout, get the win in the shootout in Philadelphia. Again, that one comes out of basically nowhere. Now, it was a game in which the Blue Jackets had a bit of an advantage going into it because the Flyers had just come back from a West Coast trip. They were out in Western Canada, and many times that first game back is a struggle. But you usually recognize that early in the games you usually get that idea in the first period. As a matter of fact, I asked Pascal Vincent prior to that game, you know, usually I would say to you on, on the road in a building like Philadelphia, you have to survive the first 10 minutes, but I asked the question, do you have to establish and push it in the first 10 minutes because you've got a team that could be tired? And he agreed with that, but it didn't work out that way. And the Blue Jackets did not have a good first two periods in that game. But as I said, the third period was good. They came back. They got two points. They shocked the Flyers in that game. And they felt good. And then they came home and had to take on the Minnesota Wild on Saturday. And a game that was just, well, it was crazy is what it was. I mean, Cole Sillinger scores a goal. And then Matt Boldy scores a goal. And then Cole Sillinger scores a second goal. And then Matt Boldy scores a second goal. And it looks like it's going to be a battle with these two guys all night long. And just to further that belief, late in the third period, with under six minutes left, Cole Sillinger gets a third goal, his second career hat trick. And the Blue Jackets had a 3-2 to lead. Leading the third period. Usually something that makes you nervous, right? Yeah, and unfortunately, it turned out that way again. But it was different from the other losses. And Pascal talked about this after the game, but I do agree with him because even though the Blue Jackets got that lead and they got it late, they didn't get back on their heels. They didn't pack it in in front of the goaltender. They kept on playing the game they'd been playing all night. And eventually, the Minnesota Wild pulls the goaltender, Mark andre Fleury. Well, they tried to do it a couple of times, and it wasn't working out. He'd start going to the bench and then have to come back. He started to the bench and he had to come back. And finally... He did get to the bench, but he didn't get off the ice. And the Blue Jackets come up the ice with the puck. Justin Danforth, more specifically, with the puck on his stick. And Marc-Andre Fleury saw what was going on, and he raced back into the play, and he got back toward the net, and he dove in front of where he thought the shot was going to be. Well, Danforth winds up missing the net wide. However, if you don't think that that action by Marc-Andre Fleury threw him off, I would say you're wrong. Because just that guy hustling back into the play and leaving his skates the way that he did, that's enough of a distraction for something like that to happen. So it happens, and then you turn the puck over, and then the wild comes down, and they get a goal on Daniil Tarasov. And, you know... He he was great in Philadelphia. He was great in that game against Minnesota, but the tying goal, not so great. It's one that leaks through him with a minute and a half left. And there goes another third-period lead up in smoke. But there's still a chance. There's still a chance to get the second point because you go to overtime. And in overtime, the Blue Jackets have the second point. It is there. It is wrapped up. The puck is on the stick of Igor Chinikov. In the right-wing circle, he's got a great shot. Fleury has come out of the net. He went out to challenge at another spot. He's out of the net. It is open, and this is over. But wait, it's not, because the veteran goaltender, Marc-Andre Fleury, does it again, lunges hard to his left, fully extends his left arm, and catches the puck in the glove before it enters what was previously a wide-open net. And then what happens? The Wild comes down on the rush. Rookie Marco Rossi beats Daniil Tarasov on a similar shot. And again, I I didn't like that one for Tarasov either, but so be it. And the Blue Jackets have to settle for one point instead of getting two. So that's the last two games in a nutshell. They got three out of four points. Very well could have had four out of four points, but had to settle for three. And now today, the team is practicing and then heading to Winnipeg, where tomorrow they're going to take on, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, the top team in the National Hockey League. And I can't believe I'm going to say that because last summer, this is a team that was in complete disarray. Pierre-Luc Dubois wanted out. Uh, There was many questions. Blake Wheeler, he was leaving. He did leave. He went to the New York Rangers. Mark Scheifele, was he going to stay? They, it didn't look like they wanted him. didn't look like he wanted to be there. Connor Hellebuck, their goaltender, is one of the top goaltenders in the league had requested a trade. And then what happened? I told you Wheeler left. And then they traded Dubois to the L.A. Kings. They got good pieces back in that trade. They wind up signing Scheifele and Hellebuck. especially the hellebuck it's like out of nowhere right hey i want to trade Ah, you know what i'll sign a long-term deal it went from one to the other and this team is rolling this winnipeg jets team they're 10-0-2 in their last 12 they won eight straight at home which means nothing about tomorrow is going to be easy nothing at all but that's tomorrow today i'm answering your questions Now, if you're with me live on X Spaces and you want to ask your question, all you have to do is request to be a speaker. I'll bring you on and you can ask it. Some of you have already sent your questions to me, and I'll start with those. Let me start with Skeleton Crew number 96, who says, we've seen several games with opposing scouts. What's cooking in the trade kitchen? Well, there's always scouts at games. To be honest with you, there have been far less scouts at games recently. Now, some of that has to do with the holidays. Uh, A lot of teams are also having their scouting meetings this week, their pro scouting meetings. So that means that uh, many of them are going to be in a warmer climate and they're going to be talking about the guys that they've been watching all year. And they're going to be talking about who they feel might work on their team that is playing for another team. But I just, I don't know what's going on on the trade front specifically. I do know if you're looking for something big, you're more likely to find it in the summer than you are to find it here in the next couple of weeks. Now, the Blue Jackets still have a plethora of forwards, and they could they could make some moves, but I, I just don't see anything big coming. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it'll be the year that there's something shocking at the deadline, but I just feel like if there's going to be anything done that is that is big, it has any kind of shockwaves, that's going to have to wait until the summer. And there are a couple of reasons for that. Uh, the biggest one is the salary cap is finally going to go up noticeably, and that means more teams that are uh, cap-strapped right now are going to have more money. And it, it's easier to make a deal like that, especially if you want to rid yourself of a contract that is big money and you want to work out what you're going to take back. It's That's easier to do. In the summertime now that being said there are teams that seem to be desperate for goaltenders right now so could there be a deal done there the Blue Jackets are carrying three could something get done yeah it could I just don't expect it to but it could but as far as anything imminent right now I don't know that there's that there's really anything imminent Michael Gilmore says, I have seen despair and loss of hope in several players' eyes during interviews. What do you think? Michael, my honest opinion is I think you're seeing things. I think you are reading more into a situation. I cannot tell you that I have seen despair or loss of hope in any player's eyes when I'm doing an interview or if I'm not even taking part in it, I happen to be there after the road games, I'm always in the room. And I'm always, I've always got a microphone in there, whether I ask a question or I don't the home games, I'm watching them from upstairs, but I'm watching them on a screen and I just, I have not seen that. I've not seen despair. Have I seen frustration? Yes. Have I seen disappointment? Yes. Have I seen anger at times? Yes. But despair and loss of hope. No, I haven't seen that. I, I think that's just, uh, yeah, that that's just putting it over the top for me. I haven't seen that, Michael. So whatever you're seeing to me looks different. Lauren says, with John Tortorella, the focus for the entire team was primarily defense, and the games that were lost were due to several key players struggling to score consistently throughout the season. Now the scoring is there, but the defensive play is lacking. Who needs to step up, especially with Zach Wierenski on injured reserve? Well, everybody. Everybody needs to step up with Zach Wierenski on injured reserve. But it was a shot in the arm to get Adam Boquist back for the game against Minnesota on Saturday. Now, that might sound strange to you, especially when at the beginning of the year, Adam Boquist was a frequent scratch for the Blue Jackets. But when they finally let him get into the lineup and play on a regular basis, you can make the argument that prior to his injury, he was the best Blue Jackets defenseman, and that was with Worensky healthy. I mean, Adam was playing really well, and then he hurts his shoulder and he misses 13 games, and he comes back on Saturday, and I thought he was good. He Again, he was noticeable. They had him playing with Damon Severson. They had Severson, who's a right-handed shot, playing on his offside, playing on the left uh, side, and and it worked. And Adam can play on the left side too, so those two guys could just depending upon the play and the rush, they, they could just alternate. It's not a big deal. But I thought he was good. So he has to continue to be good since coming back. David Yuricek, if you want me to single out one guy that's got to be better, it's going to be David Yuricek. And don't take that as he's bad. Take it as he's a rookie, and he's learning as he goes, game by game, in the National Hockey League. He's got to learn his lessons The first time. And I mean, you know, you can't make the same mistake game after game, after game, after game, you got to learn from it. And I think he is, but he's got to step up because he's a rookie. So when I, you know, he's not an experienced guy. That's not pulling his weight. He's a guy that's trying to figure it out every day and they just need him to figure it out immediately. (laughs) And, And again, when you play, what did I do wrong? Okay, I can't do that again. Just wipe that off. Maybe the next game it's a different mistake. What did I do wrong? Okay, wipe that off. That's all with him. Um, again, it's not a knock. It's just he's a young player learning how to go every day in the National Hockey League. Um, what else there? You know, Jake Bean, he, he's had some good games as of late. Um, you know, he's he's had other games where he's had monster turnovers, but I think everybody on that blue line has been guilty of that. So, you know, defensively, everybody's got to step up and block shots and all those things that aren't the most fun things to do, but you create a lot of your offense by playing good defense. And I think Cole Sillinger is a great example of that. You know, Sillinger for the last couple of weeks has been playing really well. And the only thing that you didn't see from his good play is goals. But then on Saturday, he gets that hat trick. And now you're seeing the goals, but trust me, it all starts by doing the other things. You know he's winning faceoffs now. I, I think he's becoming pretty good at winning faceoffs, and boy, is that going to help when Jenner and Corrali return to the lineup? Um, so he's getting better in that department. Just his overall play has been far better, and like I said, he, he finally got rewarded the other night. But again, the other things lead to the goals, so that's that's what's got to happen. As a whole, you just got to play better defensively and uh, lead to more chances because, Lauren, as you said, this team can score. There's no doubt about that. They, they can score. So take care of the other end and then come down and get your goals. The NHL Rebel has sent me this on X: it says, with the lines being what they are, where does Patrick Line fit in upon his return? Well, that is a really good question, and you can ask the same question in regards to Boone Jenner. I think it's a fair question on both ends. Let me start with a guy you didn't ask about because I'm just thinking about it. Does Boone Jenner go right back to the middle of that line with Johnny Gaudreau when he returns? I don't think so. I wouldn't. If I was the coach, I wouldn't. I would keep Fantilli and Gaudreau together. If I wanted uh, Boone to play with Johnny... I think I'd put him on that wing where Danforth is. Because why not? I mean, he and Johnny have a good chemistry together. Fantilli's going to be a number one centerman in this league. No question about it. That's the role he's playing right now. I'd leave him in that role. I'd I'd just let him get more comfortable with it. Day in and day out. You know, if he goes into a stretch where he's really struggling, you can move him down if you want to, but... You know, this is, let's be honest about this. Look where you are in the standings. Let that kid play. Same with the year that I was talking about earlier. Let him play. Ken Johnson, let him play. Get the experience. Don't protect them anymore. Don't cut down the minutes anymore. Don't try to take them out of dangerous situations in the third period anymore. To me, now that time has passed. Just let him play. Just get in there and let him start the game, let him finish the game day in and day out. But for Patrick Line, where does he fit in? You're asking me right now, and I would tell you in Emil Bemstrom's spot. On the line with, uh, well, right now it's Roslevic and Kent Johnson. It was Sillinger before he got moved up to play with Marchenko and Chinikov on Saturday. And I'm sure they'll start that way again tomorrow night because they had such uh, success with that trio. So, Patrick Laine, to me, goes into Emile Bemstrom's spot. Now, he could go into that spot with Fantilli and Goudreau, but I just, the Fantilli, or I'm sorry, the Gaudreau laine thing just doesn't seem to work. I I don't know why it doesn't work. I don't know if both are trying to be playmakers. I know one of them for sure should be a shooter. For sure, 100% should be a shooter and quit worrying about making plays. You know who that is, the guy that's, had 40 in a year before he should be the shooter don't worry about making passes shoot the puck play to your strength but it just hasn't worked and I don't know if I would try to force it to work I think I would put him with Kent Johnson and, and let it cut now <laughs> there's the same thing two guys who want to make plays but to go back to what I just said Kent Johnson is really good at making plays so be the shooter be the shooter on that line. And if Roslovic's still there playing in the middle, he's a speed guy. He can draw guys to him. He can create room. He can give you opportunities. That's the way I see it. You know, Emil Bemstrom's had some really good games since his last call-up. I think he's plateaued again right now, where he's he's okay, good, not great, and not scoring goals. Again, though, like Sillinger, he's doing the other things besides the scoring. I get it. I understand. But... We're talking about a prolific goal scorer coming back into your lineup. So if you're not scoring goals, then somebody's got to score them. So that's that's where I see that. And then if, if Jenner's going to come back in, then you start, now who else is going to come out? These become very interesting questions. Who else is going to come out? Well, not Justin Danforth. Well, hey, Sean Corrali is going to come back now. Who else is going to come out? So uh, it gets gets very crowded, very quickly. Very crowded, very quickly. And you know, Alexander Texier is another guy for me. I mean, he's he's not scoring goals right now. He's okay, but he's a he's in a role of a fourth line winger at the moment. So you know that. To me, that makes you vulnerable. If you're not playing well when those guys come back, you're vulnerable. And you could be uh you could be watching for a game or two. Siebes says, Could you explain some of the reasons that players get kicked out of the face off circle? I notice it happens a lot with Voronkov. Oh, it sure does. I mean, this guy, he gets kicked out on a regular basis. He gets kicked out more than he's allowed to stay in. There's so many reasons for it. About where you line up, you're supposed to line up. You know they have those marks there on either side of the face-off dot. You're supposed to line your skates up in a, you know, within that. And if you, if you're not where you're supposed to be with your positioning, you can get waved out. That happens to them a lot. If one of your guys jumps or is trying to cheat in, uh, before the puck is dropped, you can get waved out for that. Uh, you can get waved out for not getting your stick down when you're supposed to have your stick down. All of those things. But, yes, he does get waved out a lot. And then what makes me nervous is uh, there are times when he gets waved out and then the next guy that steps in to take the face off might not be uh, a guy that does it on a regular basis, although Marchenko's been taking a lot. You know, Cole got waved out a number of times on Saturday and Marchenko had to step in and and, uh, take the draw in his place. So he's done it a lot, but when you get a line out there that doesn't have another really experienced guy, I always panic inside that this guy's going to do something wrong and get waved out because by rule, the second guy, if he gets waved out, now it's a delay of game penalty. It's going to cost you two minutes. So that's why I get nervous about that. Now, fortunately, knock on wood here, that hasn't happened. But the potential is there every time. Your bona fide centerman gets waved out, and a winger has to come in and take it. And that's why Pascal Vincent likes to have two guys on the line that can take faceoffs. You know, Danforth and Fantilli are on that first line. I mentioned Marchenko is now with Sillinger. You've got Roslovic with Bemstrom and Johnson. Ken Johnson was playing center when he was in the American Hockey League, and he's taking faceoffs. Is he great at it? No, not yet. In fact, Bemstrom stepped in and uh, took a draw the other night. And then on the fourth line, Texier can take him. Um, and then whoever you happen to have playing in the middle, it was Voronkov the other night. Um, you know, again, when Corrali comes back, he's one of the best guys on the team. When Jenner comes back, he's probably the best guy on the team. So that again changes things. But that's why Pascal likes to have two guys on a line that can take faceoffs. Because if you don't want you you don't want to have an inexperienced guy following up because you don't want to take a penalty and wind up in the box. So there is a method to the madness all the time. Always a method to the madness. That's the way it goes. That's 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 the kind of stuff you got to plan for when you're a coach. You know, you have to. What are the scenarios that we might go through, and what uh, you know, what do I have to be ready for? So, hope that answers your question. Hey, if you're with me live on X Spaces, if you have a question, you want to ask that question, just request to be a speaker. I'll bring you on, and um, you can ask your question. If you are too shy to do that, and some people are, and that's fine. It's not a big deal. Like, to me, it's nothing. Like, I can just – I come on and talk for 30 minutes. Not a big deal to me. But for some people, it's a big deal. Some people get, you know, some people get nervous. Some people – think that, uh, well, this is a dumb question. I don't really want to ask a dumb question. Uh, just, But I would tell you don't worry about any of that. If you want to come on, just request to be a speaker, and I'll bring you right on, and we'll work through it. But, again, if you're too shy to do that and you just want to uh, send your question to me on X, you can do it at Bobby Mac Sports. Really easy for you to do. Now, I was talking about Boone Jenner. I'm sure you saw most of you if not all of you, saw the video of him uh, returning to the morning skate on Saturday. Um, Full cage, obviously, his jaw is still wired shut, so he's got on the full cage so he doesn't inadvertently uh, take a puck or a stick or anything like that. Nobody's going to touch him. Not right now. Not until he is cleared and ready to go once again. Nobody's going to touch him. But it was good to see him back out there Um, You know, it's hard. Players talk about this all the time. When you're injured, you are part of the team, but you're not part of the team. You're you're around, but your treatment times, they make sure they don't coincide with when the guys that are healthy and playing are going to be getting treatment. So basically, you know, you're coming in, let's say it's a practice day. You're coming in when everybody else is going on the ice because you're going to get your treatment then, and then – They're done with you by the time practice ends, and then the guys that are healthy and playing can come in and get whatever they want to. So you're always kind of on a different schedule, and on a game night, you're not going to come in early. You come in and you do the stuff you need to do during the first period, in many cases, and then you watch the rest of the game either from the room downstairs on TV or you go up to the press box and watch it live. So it you're like I said, you're there. You're part of the group obviously <laughs> you're you're a player under contract you're always part of the group but you're not interacting with the group all the time like you normally do and when you're the captain and I know Boone's tried to do a, a good job about being around and not just disappearing into the night like you can easily do when you're an injured guy Boone's tried to be around he is the captain he understands that role he understands that he needs to be visible whether he's playing or not and all that stuff but just to get back out on the ice for him um, I you know I read his quotes afterwards and talking about how nice it was to get back, and I'm sure that that is all absolutely 100% true. And now he is a first-time NHL All-Star after all of these years in the National Hockey League. He is a first-time All-Star. That game is coming up in early February, and he is expecting to get back into the lineup, I would say, what, maybe a week, a week and a half, two weeks, whatever. Probably on that Western Canada trip, I would imagine. He's hoping to get himself back into the lineup and play some games. Because, look, he he wants. first of all, he wants to play games for this team. He wants to help this team win. That is first and foremost. But before you go to that All-Star game, you want to have some games under your belt once again. You don't want to just come cold off the IR and then go into an All-Star game, which is a three-on-three. So that's a ton of skating. So he wants to get himself back in shape. This is a guy that's had his jaw wired shut. This is a guy that's been drinking his meals for the last couple of weeks. What a challenge that is going to be to get back to, you know, where he needs to be, you know, strength-wise. He, I'm sure he's lost weight. I, I don't know how you couldn't when you're just drinking everything that you have. What did I see in the story yesterday that uh, right now his favorite meal is tacos? His wife has been liquefying tacos for him to drink. I mean, that sounds terrible. I, I mean, tacos are good, but I don't want to drink my taco. But he doesn't have a choice. This is what he's had to deal with the whole time. And he said he can't wait until he can actually use a fork and a knife and chew his food. The things that we take for granted day in and day out, right? I mean, wh- who ever thinks about what if I couldn't chew my food? What if I had to liquefy all of my meals? Nobody thinks about that. I've never thought about that, so that's the situation that he's in. So he wants to get back into into shape overall. He wants to get back into regular shape. He wants to get back into playing shape. So it was good to see him on the ice on Saturday, and it'll be good to see him, you know, get back and and do some reps. And you know, Boone, when he's ready to play, or when he gets when he gets a green light from the doctors, he will be ready to play, and he'll be ready to step in. And his game is not going to change. One iota. Not at all. He's still going to be in front of the net. He's still going to be battling for pucks. He's still going to be doing all of those things. 100%. 100%. Now, here's something I can't believe that nobody's asked me about. The goaltending situation. What's going on with the goaltending situation? There are three goalies, Spencer Martin, Daniil Tarasov, Elvis Merzlikens. And when you look at last week, he played the Boston Bruins on Tuesday. Spencer Martin got the start. It was a bit of a surprise. Whereas Likens was the backup for that game. It was a little bit of a surprise to me. Although, you know, Spencer had played against them previously and did well. So maybe from that standpoint, I shouldn't have been surprised. But Spencer starts on Tuesday. Daniil Tarasov gets the nod on Thursday. The surprising thing about Thursday and Saturday is that Martin was dressed as the backup, and Elvis was a scratch for each of those games. Now, I don't know, and maybe I can take a look here, and I might be able to answer my own question before I get going with this. Um because they're practicing right now. We're traveling this afternoon to Winnipeg, and that's why I had to go a little bit early today with this show. Rather, uh, you know, I usually go in the early afternoon. But I went in the late morning today, so they're practicing right now. I was just taking a look to see if uh, there's anything on X about uh, the lines. Let's see here. Ryan Hedger from the Dispatch says Boone Jenner's practicing today with the bubble on but he left after the pace picked up precautionary. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of what I was talking about. He uh you know, he's going to go out there and he's going to get his uh, cardio in skating wise and all that stuff, but there's no need for him to be there's no need for him to do more than he can do right now. He's going to do what he can and that's it. Let's see what the Jackets insider Jeff Sabota says. He goes, don't see any changes to the Blue Jackets' lines and pairs this morning at practice from Saturday night's game against Minnesota, but he doesn't mention anything about the goaltenders. So uh, I guess it'll be a wait and see. I would imagine they're they're all three going to go on the trip. But with uh, Tarasov giving up the tying goal late the other night and then giving up the overtime winner, is it time for an Elvis return in Winnipeg? And I told you earlier in the show, whoever starts at whatever position, it's it's not going to be an easy one. And the uh, Winnipeg Jets are playing their best hockey right now. They're playing better than anybody else in the league right now. So whoever gets that start is going to be tested. There's no question about that. But, you know, you've got that three goalie rotation, and how long are they going to stay with that? Now, I saw in a story the other day. Uh, that Aaron Portsline wrote for The Athletic, where Yarmo Kekalinen was quoted as saying, you know, we, the question was, with Tarasov seemingly looking to be healthy now, does that affect your decision-making? And, and he said yes, which obviously it does. The reason that you're keeping three goalies right now is you want to make sure that Tarasov is completely healthy. Because if he's not, you, you can't... You can't, quote-unquote, get rid of Spencer Martin. Let's say you put him on waivers. He gets claimed by somebody, and now you're in a situation where you don't have that extra guy. Remember, they got Spencer Martin off waivers way back in camp because they needed another guy. So they don't want to risk losing that guy and then have something happen or, or they find out Tarasov was, you know, thought he was 100%, but he's not 100%. Uh, that that's the bigger concern right now i believe is just making sure that he's where he needs to be and if he is then to me what you've got to do is you got to f- try to find a spot you got to try to find the right day to slip that guy through waivers and there are right days and wrong days you know um and again there's what you know there are teams in the league that need goaltending just saw Ilya Samsonov get put through waivers by the Toronto Maple Leafs last week and assigned to the American Hockey League. And that was after the Blue Jackets basically had their way with him on the 29th of December. So you can get guys through. It all depends what teams are looking for. But there are some teams right now that are still, look, there's questionable goaltending out there. And I think two teams that come to the forefront are the Edmonton Oilers, and the New Jersey Devils. Those are two teams that, as they look to the playoffs, and I think especially with the Devils, and I, of course, they've got a lot of injuries right now too. So that might just uh, that that just might uh, put a, a bigger spotlight on, you know, on that. Maybe you know, could they fall out of any kind of contention because of all the injuries they have? I guess so. But if they if they're staying in it do they have good enough goaltending to go as far as they want to go? And I've never been sold on their goaltending. I've always thought that they had to get better with their goaltending. Now, with all of that being said, is Spencer Martin the answer to what ails you? Is he a starting goaltender? Is he a guy you're going to pick up off waivers and you're going to bring him in and he's going to take you to the promised land? I don't think so. I I don't see him going somewhere and being a starting guy and taking a team on a long playoff run. Do I see him as being a backup that can come in and win games when your starter needs a day off? Well, yeah, we've already seen that here, right? So I think that's more of if he gets taken by somebody, what it's going to be. So can you find a spot where you can put him on waivers and, and slide him through? Um, I think you can. But you're not going to do it until you're absolutely, positively convinced that Daniil Tarasov is, um, is where you need him to be and that he's going to be able to go out there on an every-game basis. So we'll see what happens with that. All right, let's go to X Spaces and uh, get some people on here live. Let's start with Young Guns 27.
1: Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing uh obviously'd be doing better if the jackets would figure out how to win one and uh in a normal game and not go to overtime and not not uh, play the 50 50. you
0: know uh, since I've come back after missing four games I think only one game has not gone to overtime and it was the Bruins game yeah it's like you guys trying to make me miss up for being sick being out <laughs> got to do extra periods every night but yeah it's been um it's been a little bit, uh, I would say, ridiculous. But at least now they're getting points instead of early in the earlier in the year when they were letting it get away late in the third period and having nothing to show for it. So I guess I can't complain about that. But I understand where you're coming from.
1: I guess my question is, is that um, uh, obviously I, I I don't think that there's any any sort of chance. I mean, obviously there's there's always the Dumb and Dumber quote. There is a chance, but I mean uh, of, of them going on a, on a hot run, but I I see them more as sellers at the trade deadline. So who would you think would be, um, you know, obviously I, I have, you know, we all have our ideas of what we think, but, but, but you're around it more. And we look at it from afar, but who would you would, who would you see as, as basically, um, who they would be selling? I mean, I mean, obviously one of the three goaltenders is, is an obvious choice, but, um, but well, to
0: get- no, that no, that's but and I only interrupted you because not really. If you were, and I, I talked about this earlier, I, I think if you're making a deal for a goaltender, it's going to come in the summer because it. I almost said it's going to be more than likely it would be Elvis. That's not entirely fair to say because I don't know. But if if you're going to move him, you're going to have a hard time doing that before the trade deadline. That, that to me, is more of a summer deal because of the money that is involved in it and working that out with another team. Danil Tarasov, I don't think you're trading that guy. I mean, the potential is still huge for him if he can stay healthy. And Spencer Martin, you cannot trade because you picked him up off of waivers. So he would have to go back through waivers and not be claimed by anybody before you can trade him. So that, that's why I wanted to jump in with you on that because, yeah, it looks... It it looks like that would be obvious, but it's not so obvious because one of those three guys you cannot trade by rule, and another one of the three guys is making so much money it's going to be hard to figure that out before the trade deadline. You know what I mean?
1: I do, I, I do, and but but I, uh, yeah you you are right. I mean that I I guess that would be something that would be more more of a summertime move. Um, but on some of the hey, other unless fronts, somebody
0: is really desperate. Unless there's a team that says and, I have got to make a move right now, and I think this guy could be the guy, and and I won't I won't count that out. And t- to go back to what you said, so you're saying there's a chance, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess there is.
1: I mean, some of the other things is we have these glut of uh, glut of wingers, um, but I, I I don't think that people are going to be searching for bottom rung, you know, barely, you know barely making the the cut every night or, or defenseman. So I think they would probably targeting somebody more that we, you know, would, would probably hurt, um, but they would have to overpay to get. And and so, you know, I would see something, you know, like somebody would, would try to make something for, for like a Chinnikoff or somebody would try to make something for not, not saying that I don't want that to happen, but I'm just saying that, you know they have to do something to clear up some of these guys instead of sitting there. And then what do they do with Peak? I mean, he's um, virtually untradeable.
0: Yeah, he is. Uh, I feel bad for the kid. I really do. I mean, two years ago he was playing top pair with Warenski when there was there was no other choice uh, because of injuries. But he didn't do badly. And now he can't even crack the lineup. I, I think I think they need to find a way to move him more so for him. I mean, he's a good guy. He's not created any waves whatsoever, and if he can find somebody to take him, I, I think he deserves to be traded. He deserves to go somewhere where he can have a chance to play. Now, all of that being said, they've been trying to make trades since the summer when it comes to defense, and they haven't been able to get rid of anybody. And Adam Boquist is going to have uh, more, they are going to be more eyes on him. There's going to be more desire for him than there is for Andrew Peak for a number of reasons, Number one, he's playing. I get that. But number two, his offensive upside is so good. Uh, Would that be a guy that you would part with before the trade deadline? Maybe. Maybe, depending on who you're going to get. Because when you look at the defense, see, there's another thing. There's a glut of defensemen, but there is a glut of right-handed shots. And you saw what happened with uh, Jake Christensen having to come up. They wanted a lefty. Now, they've sent him back to Cleveland, and they didn't. And they brought in another right-handed guy. But of Boquist and Peak, Boquist is going to pool more interest based on his skill set. No doubt about that. But again, for Andrew Peak, I would love if they would find something for him because I, I like him, and I think he deserves to play somewhere. If he's not going to be able to play here, he deserves to be able to play somewhere. So I'd like to see that. You talk about the glut of wingers, though. Let's, let's talk about, honestly, if you're a playoff team, what kind of a player are you looking for? And you are looking for a Boone Jenner, which they're not giving up, but you are looking. That, that's that's a guy you that is everybody's dream for a playoff team. And I can tell you that from a conversation I had in uh, Buffalo, Dan Dunleavy, who does the radio and TV in Buffalo, he said to me, "He goes, boy, that's the player we need. We need a Boone Jenner playing here in Buffalo." And I, there are thirty-one teams saying that, one hundred percent. Do I think they're going to give up their captain before the trade deadline? No, I don't. So, who else? Who else would a playoff team want? I could see a playoff team, based on the way he has played, I could see a playoff team being very interested in Justin Danforth. But when they've talked about what a big part of this team he's become and a leader and all that stuff, do you want to part with him? No. What you want to part with, and I say this, this is from me, this is not from Yarmo's standpoint, because he's kept this guy around. I want to part with an Emil Bemstrom. I could... Part with an Alexander Texier right now. But what about Jack Roslovic? You know, Jack's been playing really good hockey. He's not your Boone Jenner, Justin Danforth, grinder kind of guy. But he's a guy with good speed. He's got scoring touch. And he's coming to an end of a contract. Could they find a suitor for Jack Roslovic? Who's a guy that they've talked about before that they would be okay with dealing? I could see that. Especially when you've got Jenner and Corrales, who are both centermen that are out of the lineup and coming back in. Um, But I I just, I'm expecting to be underwhelmed at the trade deadline because, like I said, and like you were saying, yeah, I'm sure there are teams that would love to have Chinikoff. You're going to give that guy up? I don't think so. So if you're not giving up those kind of players and you only want to give up the, you know, some of the the lesser tier players, they've got to be guys that can play in the playoffs and make a difference. Do I feel Emil Bemstrom can go to a playoff team and all of a sudden be a guy that's, Going to be the difference between uh, winning a conference championship and not? I don't. No offense. I just don't. So, you know, some of the guys that it, it looks easy to, ah, why don't you get rid of this guy, get rid of this guy. It's not as easy as it looks because other teams have to want those guys. And, and the teams that are going to the playoffs are going to want the the high-performance guys. So, does
1: that cover it for you? It does. Thank you.
0: All right. Thank you. Thanks for being on the show today. do appreciate it let's uh stay on X spaces and go to who are we gonna go to next we are going to go to Troy hello Troy welcome to the Monday mailbag
2: hey Bob how's it going good Caesar come inside all right never mind did you get okay. Caesar
0: Caesar's not going to come inside
2: you know he's very young and he has a mind of his own he uh
0: oh like half, half the, the roster, roster.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then he's 125 pounds, so he doesn't move easily. There the you biggest, go. The biggest black lab I've ever had in my life.
0: <laughs> so, your workouts is carrying your dog in and out of the house.
2: Oh, my God. Yeah. And then when you bring this guy to the soccer field, he just doesn't stop. He has to pee on every, every goal post. There's like eight goals, and he just like has to go three laps around the field. Just to <laughs> can't stop.
0: Poor goalies. Yeah.
2: <laughs> So I was going to I was going to make comments about the prospects that I like but we we're already on the topic of trade so I wanted to continue that going. Do you think there's a possibility that Patrick Laine could be available to any team? I know it obviously sounds a little bit crazy because he's been injured so much but as I was also thinking like there's a handful of teams that like I see that are in playoff contention or in the playoff picture. And although Patrick Line's intensity and durability may not line up with a playoff style of play, but I feel like there's a solid amount of teams that need an extra offensive punch if they're really trying to make a run.
0: Well, I – as crazy as it sounds, I think you have to look at it. I just don't know with that salary Again, it comes down to the money. Are, are you going to be able to do that? And he's got years left on his deal, right? At, uh, just under nine. What's he at, 8.7 or something like that? Yeah. That's a lot of cash. And a lot of these teams that are lining up for the playoffs, you know, they've already spent a lot of money in order to get there. So could you work all of that out prior to the trade deadline? In theory, yeah, you can. But I still think that's more of a summertime deal if you were to do something like that. And is it crazy that we're talking about this, by the way, Troy?
2: Honestly, in my opinion, at this point in the season that we're about halfway through, I would say no. But if we were saying this a month ago, I would say yes.
0: But it's just, you know, now with him being out of the lineup for so long, uh, you know, if he would have come here and been the 40-goal guy, we would never have this conversation. We just wouldn't. (laughs) Yeah but he has he, he's only shown flashes he's been injured a lot but i i'm not going to penalize him for that because like this one this this is a freak one he happens to get knocked down and slides into the boards it's nothing he did uh, but it's just there's just something that just doesn't seem to click for whatever reason it just doesn't seem to click you know i talked about the jets earlier and how you know Pierre-Luc Dubois forced his way out of Columbus and he goes to Winnipeg and you would think, well, that that's great. And then a couple of years later, he wants out of there. And they haven't missed him a bit, you know? Would Patrick Line be that kind of guy? Would you look back and go, well, you know what? We don't even miss that guy. And look at the pieces that we got for him. It could, it, it could be that situation. I think if you're going to move him, whenever, you have to get those kind of players back. You can't have it be a bust. You know what I mean?
2: Yes, I agree. And the other thing that I want to add about that, that is considering P.L. Dubois' recent form, I don't think Winnipeg or Columbus will hate what they received in the deal, to be honest, because Pierre-Luc Dubois doesn't even have 20 points this year and is the definition of underwhelming. But to be fair to him, he's buried on the third line with limited deployment. But Well, listen,
0: listen, listen. I know, but the way this game works is when you're going, your deployment comes more frequently. Yes. You've got to be going better than the guys in front of you. If you're not, that's where you sit. And now you've got a guy that was not happy here, and then he went to Winnipeg, and he was not happy there, and now he's in Los Angeles, and now you're living on the beach, and now you're making a lot of money. And unless you are a really driven player, Unless you're a really <clears throat> driven individual, it is very easy to say, I've got it made, and get into a relaxed mode, and just enjoy coming from the beach to the practice rink and going to the crypto.com arena, right? It, it's very easy to get into yeah. that Hollywood lifestyle for somebody that is, is not really driven. And I'm, I'm not saying that he's not because I've seen him play really well, But I've seen him play his best when he is pissed off. And when he's not, he's just there. And he's just okay. So I agree with you. I think, like I'm looking at it right now and I'm saying, you know, this guy might have done a favor to the Blue Jackets to ask out of here. Because it was coming eventually, obviously. The problem is the guy that you got in return is now not living up to what you thought he was going to be. So that's the problem with that.
2: Anyway. Yeah. And then one other thing I was one more thing trade related than a comment. Yeah. So if this if the season is is done like many of us believe it is, in terms of making the playoffs, obviously it's not done in terms of where we could potentially be seated in the draft, how things could shake out on the trade market and whatever. But if the season's like truly done, And in my eyes, a player like Jack Roslovic for a playoff contending team is a great third-line player. What is stopping the Blue Jackets from just eating the salary? Some of it to retain some because his contract is over at the end of this year, right? Right. So if they're going to do it and the season's over, they could do it. And they could sweeten the pot by saying, hey, listen, Jack Roslovic, he makes four and change per year. What if we could make something work at around 1.75 or 2? I feel like there's a solid amount of teams that would want to make that work. But also, they would have to give up a little something extra because of the salary that we would, in theory, retain.
0: I'm sure that that's going to be part of the discussions. And when you're saying what's stopping them, there's nothing that's stopping them. I, I think right now, things are going to be stopped in general because of every organization having their pro scouting meetings. They're all doing that. I think everybody's doing it this week. A lot of the scouts that I talked to in Philly the other night, they're getting ready to go to Florida or somewhere for their uh, scouting meetings. So the only thing that's stopping right now is everybody's getting their ducks in a row and they're figuring Mm -hmm. out who they want to go after and what they're going to offer to go after said people. So, you know, I think after those meetings, then there'll be more intensive talks and I I could definitely see that being a part of it.
2: And to finish off this on a positive note, I wanted to talk about Kent Johnson, and I just feel like the confidence is shining off this kid. The confidence, the composure. There were a few plays where he was on the perimeter, outside near the faceoff circle, when he was on the second power play unit, and he just let the defender. He the defender came by with his stick out far, and he knew he wasn't going to pressure him entirely. He just waited there. He continued his rotation. And then refacilitated back to the top. And I'm like, wow, this is awesome. He's really snapping the puck around. He's so composed. This guy's a great player. Please give him more opportunity. I love what I'm seeing.
1: I
0: talked to Pascal about Kent Johnson this uh, Saturday morning, I believe. Because he told me he thought that Kent Johnson was the best player on the ice in Philadelphia for his team on Thursday. And that's saying a lot when Tarasov played as well as he did in net, right? So – I asked him, I go, hey, this is a guy that early in the year, he seemed like he was getting knocked off pucks, he was getting knocked down to the ice a lot, and now he's not. And what has changed? And his answer was, well, that's still happening to him, but the difference is his confidence. Um, And Pascal feels that when he went to Cleveland, because he said, he goes, I noticed this in training camp. He goes, this is not the guy that I saw last year. His confidence just wasn't where it needed to be, and he wasn't playing with that same amount of confidence you know, confidence in himself and his own abilities. He said, then it continued into the early part of the season. And yes, we want to make him stronger, but that's something that's going to take a number of years. We wanted to start the process by getting him to the American Hockey League where there's more time to work out in between games. He said, but we really wanted him to get his confidence back. And it seems like when he went to Cleveland, as Pascal put it, and I thought this was fair and something I hadn't thought about before. He goes, you know, sometimes you get on a team with a lot of guys that are your age, and you just feel more comfortable, and you can just relax and let yourself go and and just play your game. And as he did that in Cleveland, then he got confident again, and then he gets called up, and he kept the confidence. So that trip to the American Hockey League, and again, I've said this a million times, it's all how you handle it as a player. If you are sulking and pouting and mad and why am I here and all that stuff, you're not going to get better. And sometimes you're not going to get called back up. Kent Johnson, a fifth overall pick, he was going to get called back up at some point. But there are some guys you'll never see him again if they go down with the wrong attitude. This guy did it right. This guy found his game. And now that he's back, he's playing his game. So you're absolutely right. He is a different player, he's a much better player. He's looking uh, much more like the guy the Blue Jackets thought they drafted a couple of summers ago and as he does get stronger and as he does put on more muscle and as he does get smarter about how the game works in the NHL he's going to be an even better player and i can't wait to see it because i like what i'm seeing right now troy
2: yeah i agree that that one play he had last game where he was coming down the wing fake the slap shot did the 180 to the backhand i was like the panache yep the panache bob thank you for hosting this great show thank you for having me on Thank you, this Troy. Awesome. I'm Appreciate glad you're feeling better. The I, Monday Mailbag is back. <laughs> I hope you
0: get Caesar in the house. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Thanks, Troy. Ah, uh, well, there you go. There you have it. That's pretty much going to wrap up this week's Monday Mailbag. Again, it's good to be back after a three-week hiatus. That's way too long. Way too long. So we'll uh, we'll do it again next week. Let me see. What is it? I see. This is where. And some people don't believe me when I say this. I have no idea what the schedule is. I really don't. Uh, oh, next week, oh, we'll be at home. We have a game on Monday. Oh, you know what? We might have to push that one off and go a day later. I We're going to go a day later. Next week, we'll do the Monday Mailbag on Tuesday. And I'll tell you why. It's a home game on Monday, and it's at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Unless you want to do it after the game. Oh, boy, that'd be fun, huh? Vancouver will be here. So this week... Game on Saturday against the Seattle Crack, and that's a 7 o'clock game. And then Monday afternoon, that's uh, Martin Luther King Day. So an afternoon contest against the Vancouver Canucks. Then a couple of days off and a Friday game against the New Jersey Devils next Friday. And then it's off to Western Canada and beyond because it's Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, Seattle, and St. Louis on a five-game trip while the U.S. Figure Skating Championships are taking place at Nationwide Arena. So there you go. That's the schedule for the next couple of weeks. So next week, let's plan on going on Tuesday. We'll wait until the day after the game and do it on Tuesday since we have a Monday afternoon game. So I'm glad I looked at that because I, I'm telling you, I honestly, I, I don't know the schedule. I know a couple of games out. That's the way I keep it because I'll just drive myself crazy. I'll forget. If I try to jam too much information into this uh, little tiny brain of mine, I'll just forget about it anyway. So if I go two, three games at a time, I feel I'm good. I feel I'm good. And this week I had two. I know we're in Winnipeg tomorrow, and I know that we're playing on Saturday against the Seattle Crack. And that, that was my two games for the week. Speaking of tomorrow night, that game in Winnipeg gets underway at 8 o'clock Eastern time, which means pregame coverage will start at 7.30, both on Bally Sports and, of course, uh, you can hear Dylan Tire and I on the Blue Jackets radio network. Uh, tomorrow night, starting at 7 30. Thank you for being a part of today's show. Whether you just uh, set your question on X at Bobby Max Sports, which you can do anytime you want to, as a matter of fact, or if you came live on X Spaces and asked your question, doesn't matter to me how you do it. I'm just happy to have you along each and every week. So that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Monday Mailbag. Until tomorrow night in Winnipeg, I'm Bob McKelligan saying so long.